Richard's whole thing is that uh, the experts tend to be wrong, that centralized uh, federal responses to problems are bad, um, that you know the media misreports things. I mean, you can go down a very long list of things that are sort of Richard Epstein's comfort zone that are correct 95% of the time to one extent or another. And this just bedevils that. And so there's a, part of the problem is that there are a bunch of people who are looking for the permission structure to stay in their comfort zones. And um, the problem with a pandemic is that, look, I'm a big opponent of centralized state action. I'm a big opponent of, of doling out trillions of dollars in direct aid and propping up businesses. I'm also a big opponent of peeing on my you know, window dressing when they're not on fire. But when there's a fire in your house and you got to put it out, you got to do things that normally are not allowed. And there are an enormous number of people who don't want to get out of their normal comfort zone about how to articulate problems, how to articulate responses, and it, it trips them up. And I don't think anybody here would disagree that Richard Epstein's a brilliant guy, but it shows you the power of a certain sort of getting into a rut of a narrative can have on people. Um, and that's for brilliant people. Then you talk about pundits, and it's an even worse problem. By the, you know, on that on that point, Jonah, about the sort of the fire Fauci crowd, that's the thing that has been so puzzling to me. What they are arguing is that the man at the top, where the buck stops with him, has mistakenly afflicted one of the worst economic downturns in the history of the United States, or maybe the worst immediate economic downturn in the history of the United States, because he couldn't discern that he was getting bad advice. Are they not saying that this is a presidential failure on a historic scale. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's what is mystifying to me about this argument. Well, and it turns out too. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, it's it's always hard to tell where this these these arguments are going next. But it turns out too that Anthony Fauci wasn't the only one making that argument, right? I mean, it was revealed this week that Peter Navarro, of all people, was writing memos to the president back in as as early as January describing a scenario that could have seen, I think the figure was 543,000 deaths. And Trump claimed that he, I mean, he sort of claimed in his briefing on Tuesday night that he didn't read the Navarro memos, um, but then um, later said that he had done exactly what Navarro had recommended, which would have been hard to do if he hadn't read them. But he contradicted himself, stumbled a little there. But But the point is, this was not just Anthony Fauci saying this. It was sort of a consensus or close to a consensus as you can get. And It's not just the U.S. government. It's the governments of most of Western Europe, Sweden accepted. Um, you know, it's, it's what they did in China to a certain extent. And the idea that somehow it's Fauci ensorceling, you know, <laughs> Trump in some way, when this is what, like, every expert around the world, for the most part, is is advising in the same way, is really it's a weird argument. Well, I want to put a bow on this for now, and also flag that for next week, I think there's some big topics that we didn't get to, and I wanted to give them more time. Was a lot of it some of the racial disparities and the deaths that we're seeing? I think we'll have more numbers on that for next week, but are going to be a huge story in this country and a really concerning one, I think, as we try to. Uh, move forward after this pandemic, uh, as well as, as uh, you were mentioning, the 
the difference between some of these countries, Sweden versus Denmark, UK versus Spain, and even then intrastate. We still have states without stay-at-home orders, uh, and then we have states that have done the same thing around the same time with wildly different results. So we are running a sort of worldwide experiment of sorts. Although, can I push back on that very quickly? Just because This is a really important point that Lyman Stone makes on this fantastic podcast called The Remnant. Um, his argument is, is that the stay-at-home orders are ultimately not that important. It's the free flow of information. When you convince the public, when you convince the population that this thing is serious and dangerous, they start doing things regardless of whether they've been ordered to that yes. stop the spread. And I think And I think that that's might- part of the... Ex- the experiment is there were the numbers were dropping f- well before the stay-at-home orders went into effect right. nationwide. Um, okay, but I do want to end on a lighter note, per usual. So I have felt incredibly like this is the best quarantine situation in America is mine. Uh, I have nine weeks until this baby comes, and so my husband and I get to spend all of this quality time together, cooking and having these sort of second date conversations, if you will. So I wanted to bring y'all into our second date conversation from last night. Uh, Okay, so you've got a seventh grader, boy or girl, I'll let you guys pick. 